Good morning. It's Friday the 29th of May and this is The Briefing. And Jan Fran at work for the Rugby League, so why don't we get some fake crowd noise on our show? Thank you for the reception, Tom. Pleased to be here, everyone. Great work with the ball there, Jan, passing out wide. <laughs> I wish I, had, I wish I knew what that meant, first of all, but I wish I had crowd noise just following me around everywhere. I'd it be so much good. more confident, you know? Absolutely. Now, our briefing topic today, uh, it's not exactly a cash giveaway. Oh, it sort of is. How's your finances going, by the way? Oh, great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, because we are talking about finances in times of COVID. I've been lucky enough to uh, maintain my job and not spend on anything because I haven't been going out. Except the treadmill. Except the treadmill. But some people have been a little bit hard hit, so I think we're going to give you some hot tips on what you can do to save money, and you're going to give people 50 bucks. Is this Well, correct? I think you'll definitely be able to save at least $50 after listening to this show. Oh, that's a hot promise. All right, let's find out what other big stories are making news. Well, it's what a lot of us have been waiting for. Gyms will be reopening right across the country uh, in the next few weeks. And look, we've got a little bit more detail as to what that will look like. Yeah, it involves turning off every second treadmill, no water bubblers, increased equipment cleaning and hand washing, and regular reminders about social distancing over loudspeakers. Uh, They're among the measures announced by the peak fitness body, Fitness Australia, to keep facilities COVID safe. Yeah, as for classes, look, they'll still be held online as much as possible, um, but the area that the classes happen in will need to be wiped down uh, between every session. Now, every state and territory, except for New South Wales, has mapped out a return date for gyms, and that'll happen in either May or June. And meanwhile, the Australians reporting that the federal government will push to see the economy completely reopened earlier than its original July deadline when National Cabinet meets today. Jen, how do you feel about gyms reopening? Oh, I just, I only care about squash courts reopening. (laughs) If squash courts reopen, I'm happy. But, you know, that's a little hot box of sweat and droplets, isn't it? They may be right at the the bottom of the list. Oh, no. Down there with brothels. Down there with brothels. (laughs) You're lucky skiing's not on that list down the bottom. And to very sad news for newspapers, for many of you, your local paper will be about to stop printing. Yeah, News Corp has announced that they are shutting down 100 local papers. Now, most of them will still be available online, but they won't be available in print anymore. Yeah, there's some big, well-known papers actually going down here, which is really sad. The Sunshine Coast Daily, the Manly Daily in Sydney, the Mornington Peninsula Leader in Victoria, the Centralian Advocate in Alice Springs. The list goes on and on, and those changes will kick in at the end of June. Yeah, I mean, I must say, look, I'm a journalist, so I find this stuff sort of concerning. I understand the move to digital. I just wonder if you lose a lot of that reporting and if you lose a lot of staff and people on the ground when you do that and what sort of stories you're missing. Well, you're missing stories about local council and we know that a lot of local councils have had problems with corruption and those kinds of things and you really want a local journo there asking questions. Um, You've got to also wonder, is it our fault, young people? Not buying newspapers anymore. No, I think I think it is. You think so? I think yeah. it's, it's multi pronged. I think the demand changes, and and whether you adapt to that demand quickly enough. Um, I think that that's really the question at hand. Well, you're up against social media, and that's where a lot of the ad revenue's gone, which has been massively challenging for the whole media industry. Yeah, I think we can agree it's Mark Zuckerberg's fault. Oh, definitely, and and also it's not just the traditional outlets like newspapers that have struggled. BuzzFeed shut down recently and Ten's new digital arm also didn't go the distance. So yeah. um, traditional media of all kinds is struggling at the moment. 
And speaking of Mark Zuckerberg, uh, he is weighed in to the Trump versus Twitter standoff that we mentioned yesterday. Now, he called out Twitter, actually, for fact-checking the president. Yeah, he reckons it's a, it's a bad call. He gave an interview to Fox News where he said social media platforms should stay out of the fact-checking business. We have a different policy, I, I think, than Twitter on this. You know, I, I just believe strongly that... Uh, that Facebook shouldn't be uh, the arbiter of truth of everything that people say online. Um, I think in general, private companies probably shouldn't be, or especially these platform companies, shouldn't be in the position of, of, of doing that. Yeah, it's a really vexed area. I think a lot of people would agree with him. Twitter slapped a fact check link on two Trump tweets this week that it believes spread misinformation about mail-in voting. The president obviously wasn't happy about it. He accused Twitter of censorship. Yeah, he also announced plans to issue an executive order that could wind back some of the legal protections um, for social media companies. So effectively making them more suable, I guess, for controversial content posted on their platforms. Do you think he might leave Twitter? I don't know. As a user? It's so funny. (laughs) I really doubt it. It's weird that he's bagging out Twitter on Twitter. It's, you know, it's kind of this, this really sort of weird dynamic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Really interesting to see, though, that Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook's taken a different line from Twitter. Well, I mean, he was the one that was accused of, you know, allowing misinformation to spread in the lead up to the 2016 election. So, yeah, it's very interesting that he's taken this position. All right, let's talk rugby league. After a two-month break, the NRL finally returned last night. Uh, the Eels beat the Broncos quite convincingly, 34-6. Um, despite the big gap in the scoreline, it was a great game to watch. Jan Fran, I imagine, was glued to her television. Uh, hey! <laughs> um, the game, of course, was played in front of an empty Suncorp Stadium. Looking for support, doesn't need it. Pinch the ears back for the corner! It doesn't sound empty, does it? doesn't it? sound empty. Some <laughs> fake crowd noise. It, it was the first thing I noticed when I turned it on. I was like... Well, that's a bit weird, but I looked around for the reaction online and a lot of people really loved it. Were you able to suspend reality a little bit? (laughs) Did did you buy into it in the end? To be honest, I didn't really like it. It felt weird. It's like we can see an empty stadium. We know it's empty. It's fine. It's COVID-19. It's it's okay. Um, I think maybe they just could have turned it down a little bit so it was like a subconscious thing. Right. So you, you feel the energy of the crowd, but you don't notice it, you know, jumping into your ears when it's not there. I wonder what it would have looked like or felt like if they had no crowd noise. It's like, you know, that, those episodes of Friends where they just take out the laugh track and it's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what they were avoiding. All right, let's talk money. Are you worried about it? There are a lot of good reasons to be. Young Australians are paying a heavy price for this shutdown. They're losing their jobs, sacrificing their freedoms. Unemployment was already around 12% for young Australians. We know that young people have borne the costs particularly highly. To open up those jobs again and get those young people back into work. Yeah, lots of financial pain for young people. So in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to make a promise. Oh, look out. Yeah, I think you're going to be able to save at least 50 bucks. Okay. From listening to the next 10 minutes of this podcast. Yeah, terms and conditions apply. Bear that in mind. No guarantees. No guarantees. The corona pandemic has been a financial nightmare for young people. Yeah, they've been much harder hit by job losses. So a third of job losses in March, April were for those aged 24 and under. Now, almost a quarter of all 15 to 24-year-olds are underemployed. That's 23.5%. Compare that to the average of 14%. 
they'll also be the ones paying back the debt that we've accumulated in the long term as well. Yeah, short term and long term pain. And this week, we also found out that it's younger Australians who've been rushing out in bigger numbers to cash out their super to get through the pandemic. Since March, when the government uh, announced that we could take up to 10 at this point and a further $10,000 out of our super, 1.4 million people have actually done that already. And more than half of those people are under 35. Yeah. Now, the super industry says that, you know, there are concerns with that. So say that you're 25 years old and you withdraw $20,000 from your super now, you could actually end up up to $100,000 worse off when you retire. Yeah, so let's dig deeper into that choice about taking out your super. And how else? What what other ways are there that you can save or make money in this troubled time? We're going to speak to a really great financial counsellor in a sec. But first, let's speak to Kirk Pearson. He's one of the 1.4 million people that took money out of his super. He is. G'day, Kirk. You're 25. You run your own coffee importing business. Uh, you ripped out 10K from your super to invest in that business. Can you tell us why you did that? Yeah, as you, as you mentioned, we started trading sort of late last year in December and uh, things were going quite well up until obviously coronavirus hit and um, all the money that we had made up until that point was sort of lost. Looking on the other side of the restrictions now as they start to ease, we're looking at sort of getting operational again and, and, and need some money to be able to do that. So I decided to withdraw $10,000 of my own superannuation. Had you explored other avenues for how you might be able to get that money or was this the first sort of choice for you? I kind of don't have any options in my personal circumstance. I don't really have anyone that's going to lend me that money or I don't think a really a bank is going to do it either. So I really want to get my business off the ground and operating again and this is really the only option for me in, in my personal circumstance. Well, you haven't pissed it up the wall. You've spent it on your business, which is, you know, quite a quite a good thing in a way. But did you really think about the implications of taking out that money? Because at the, the peak of this crisis, the share market where most of our supers invested was down 36%. If you'd left that money in there, it would have gone back up and then kept compounding for years. Um, the industry is saying someone at 25 who tanks out the full 20 grand could be 100 grand worse off in retirement. Did you think about that? I did think about that, but you look at the fees that you get charged on, on your superannuation every year and then the contributions tax and then the life insurance. And I guess that sort of further justifies that I was a bit sceptical about superannuation anyway. And then yeah. what's to say that there won't be another pandemic like this or a global financial crisis? I'm a bit sceptical that, that the super's working for me well anyway. But would you withdraw another $10,000? Because you can do that from July. Do you think that you might? Uh, well, I don't have that much super. I work in hospitality. So, um, <laughs> well, that's what that's know. answered for you then, isn't it? Yeah, it's just getting eaten up in fees and taxes and, and you know, life insurance that gets paid as well is obviously great. But, yeah, it wasn't really working for me, in my opinion, anyway. You get yeah. charged $90 a year in administration fees alone. So Yeah, when you paying. don't have that much super actually in the account, those fees start to to really stack up. I mean, on a side note, it was it was quite easy to get out. Like it's not, yeah. there's not there's not many hoops to jump through. So Boom, it's in your account. Your you just log on to your MyGov, click a few buttons and you're done. Yeah. All right, Kirk, all the best, mate. Thanks for speaking to us. No worries. Thank you. So on the face of it, B, it sounded like Kirk's decision made sense, but let's see what a financial counsellor thinks. Natasha Jensen's is an accountant and financial advisor. She runs a financial education service called Women With Sense. Natasha, do you think Kirk did the right thing? 
Well, the first question that comes to mind is, did he have a chat to his accountant to explore whether he's eligible for other government grants? Because there have been there has been so much that has been directed at small businesses in particular. So I would have thought that there would have been other options for him rather than going straight to super first. Yeah. So I guess the message is you really need to explore all your other options. Absolutely. Information is king right now. Can you, can you sort of tell us very briefly what some of those other options might be? Yeah, so the government has been doing a lot as far as offering cash flow boosts to small businesses as well. So depending on how often he has been lodging his bath and how much he has been withholding as tax withholdings for his employees, he could be eligible for, funnily enough, $10,000 as a minimum in the first instance. Right. Are you worried, Natasha, by the huge numbers of uh, people that have accessed their super? I think we heard it was half of those that have already accessed their super are under the age of 35. What do you make of that? Look, I think it's in our human nature to sort of prioritise our needs now over the future. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions there. I've heard so many people to go, you know, it's tax-free money. It's a no-brainer. It's not really tax-free money because you paid for the tax on that in your super fund. And it's not a windfall because it's coming out of your pocket. It's just that you're cheating yourself down the track by taking it out now. Yeah, well, the market was down um, 35%, the, the share market that is, where a lot of our super is invested. So is that part of the concern that people took the money out when it had been diminished by those share market drops? That's exactly it. So there's two components to it. And the younger you are, the bigger implication is for you of taking that super out. So for starters, yes, the markets have dropped, but unless you actually sold those investments, you didn't actually make a loss. So it was a paper loss to begin with. So by withdrawing our super, we're now crystallizing those losses. And the other thing is we're losing out on the power of compounding, which is the time that that money was going to have to grow over the years to come, as well as picking up on the recovery of the market as well. I'm not a big believer in dwelling on something that has already been done. For those that have made the decision to do that, you know, that's the call that they made. They now need to focus on how are they going to be able to put that money back into super when they're back on their feet to start to rebuild. Some of the folks who've seen their income drop and maybe they've lost their jobs um, and they want to try and make up that money or lost earnings, what would your advice to them be right now? So what can they actually do right now to try and make up that money? I would explore every other option. So the starting point is to do a a detailed budget. You need to exactly know how much money you need. What's that gap that you're needing to close so you have a clear target to work towards? And there's no excuse now because there's so many apps that can help you do that as well, right? (laughs) Precisely. So, And then looking at what are some easy wins, like calling around to shop around for a better deal on your insurances. I did that last year. I saved thousands and thousands of dollars just by making those calls. So that already can start to sort of narrow that gap, having a look at whether there's any Centrelink support that you're eligible for. And then looking at, yes, there's been a lot of sectors that have been impacted, but there's also been a lot of sectors that are hiring. So looking at, okay, can I pivot? What is something that I can do? Even if it means I have to take up two or three casual jobs, fine, so be it. Roll up your sleeves and go and fight for it. And do what you can because doing anything else, all it is is postponing that pain to the future. And chances are that you're going to feel that pinch more tomorrow than you are today. So for people that still have a job, um, a lot of them have been working from home. 
Does that mean a, a tax time, which is one month away, they could end up with a bigger tax return? Quite possibly, uh, yes. So there's a good thing that's come out of this in that the government has introduced a temporary shortcut measure to actually make it easier and to enable more people to be eligible to claim a tax deduction come tax time for working from home. So if you go and just Google the shortcut method, you'll get all the details of what you can and can't do. The big thing is that you need to keep a log of the hours that you're working from home so that you can have an accurate tally for what to claim. So basically, normally you have to work through a, a, a complex range of deductions. You know, maybe you spent this much on an office chair or, or a quarter of your internet bill is, is related to work. But this new way they've come up with to deduct working from home expenses off your income is much simpler. It's much simpler. Also, it means that both you and if you have a partner or a spouse, both of you can claim as well. And also, if you're someone that you know lives in an apartment or you don't have a designated study, you can now still claim for things that you wouldn't have been able to claim otherwise. So it's an 80 cents per hour worked from home deduction. Is that how it works? Yep, that's precisely it. And there'll be instructions that'll come through for when you lodge your claim just to make sure that you know that that's what that is. All right, if there's something that you can um, leave us with, Natasha, just before we let you go, um, what are some of the, the key things that, I, that people have to think about in this time in terms of their finances? If you had a top three, what would they be? Calling around to get a better deal on your bills, you'll find thousands of savings there. Getting into better habits around meal prep, because that's where a lot of the younger generation that I'm part of, we spend a lot of time working. So takeout is the thing that we do and we throw out a lot of food. So now's the time to get into those good habits as well. And just simplifying your life admin and the way that you manage your cash flow so that you have a clear target and an easy way to save. Yeah, I think life admin has been um, going through a real boom time during mm-hmm. the pandemic, which is really good. Now, at the start of this segment, Natasha, I, I promised people they'd be able to save at least 50 bucks from listening to the next 10 minutes of this <laughs> podcast. What's some easy ways to come out ahead here? Honestly, calling around for your bills. So I called my insurance company. I saved 200 bucks a month and I dropped out phone bill from $80 a month to $200 a year. Wow. Okay. So what are you Huge doing when savings. you call up these you know, billers? What, you're saying, hey, I don't want to give you as much money. You need to find out what everyone else is offering and then say, look, I've been a long-time customer or whatever. I see that there's these other offers on there. What can you do to keep my business? Sharpen those negotiation skills. Yeah, one of the best pieces of advice I was given was good things come to those who ask. Mm. So ask your insurance company to drop its oil. Good things come to those that shop around. (laughs) Natasha, great to speak to you. Thanks for joining us on The Briefing. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Jen, I reckon people will save 50 bucks from listening to that. Listen to how much Natasha say from just winding down her phone bill. Yeah, I must say, I've never really thought about meal prep as a way to save money during this pandemic, but it may just be. I mean, it's sort of about about reconsidering our lifestyle as well a little bit. Yeah, we've had way more time for life admin, like getting your stuff together. We were busier before and that's the sort of thing that gets pushed to the the bottom end of the to-do list, like to to call up your billers and work out whether you could get a better deal. Yeah. Well, look, if you haven't saved 50 bucks, hit us up on social media and, and Tom, will, Tom yeah. will give it to you from his own pocket. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you promised. On Monday's briefing, we're going to speak to some farmers around Australia and find out whether the drought has broken. It's exciting. Sounds positive. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Briefing this week. Thank you, Jan Fran, for being an incredible part of the show as always. You're so welcome. <laughs> Bye. A 
a Podcast One production.